Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's a big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. I just realized I spelled Kadri's name wrong. On the oh, pole. no. I nailed Majapani. Oh. <laughs> I put Cardi as in Cardi B. Oh. Oops. <laughs> I saw one of the replies. I was very confused. Yeah, Cardi, now I know why. Cardi B. Uh, which nickname best fits the Dubai Cardi Majapani line? Uh, <laughs> Maddie's already influencing the uh, the vote. I'm not influencing. I'm just giving my opinion. Oh, yeah. No, you're influencing the vote. <laughs> no. You're like outside the poll going, vote for uh, Tenacious 3. Do it. <laughs> That's you. Influencing the vote would be if I used all of my different burners and oh, I activated okay. all those again and I started using those to vote. All right. Vote in our poll question. Uh, I spelled Kadri wrong for some reason. Uh, which line best fits the the new the, the Dubai Kadri Majapani line? Cadmandu. DNA line, MDK line, the Tenacious Three. Right now, leading the way. It's tied. It's the Cat Tenacious Man Three. Oh. And DNA line leading the way. Should be the Tenacious Three. Uh, our next guest. Uh, I refuse to back down. Um, Sam Cosentino, sports and NHL columnist, draft expert, joins us. Sam, good morning. How are you? Good morning, George. How are the betting rules out there in Alberta? Uh, uh, they're not as uh, they're not as loose, uh, Sammy. Uh, they're not as loose as they are uh, in Ontario. But again, we we persevere. Uh, we still do inside the lines every Sunday, and we try to help people make some money. Uh, did you hear our poll question? Do you like some of these nicknames for that Kadri, Manjapani, and Dubé line? Yeah, the DNA. I like that. Oh, okay. I like All right. That line. What about yeah, Cadmandu? Yeah, not bad, but that's hard to say. Like, so I think about it from like I'm sitting there up in the panel, you know, doing a Flames game. I'm thinking, oh, Catman do, or I'm thinking the DNA line. It, it just flows better, so I'm going DNA. Ooh, okay, you, I'm sure you're influencing a lot of the vote now uh, with that, Sammy. Uh, last night. Oh yeah, I yeah. Can no, I'm telling you, really turn the tide. <laughs> Matt, oh, yeah. Matt's really pushing for the tenacious three. He's really pushing that, too, for the Tenacious 3. So that's what he's Come on, doing. Matt. There's no creation in that. Sorry, bud. <laughs> what do you mean? It's a reference to the Tenacious D. It's Jack Black's band. and They have outstanding music we can reference for the rest of the year. And they're very tenacious. Uh, I'll play along, I guess. Darn! <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Oh! Uh, and I did, instead of spelling Cadre, uh, I spelled uh, Cardi, as in Cardi B, because I'm an idiot. That's fine. That's I, fine. I nail Manjapani's name, but that's fine. Um, Sammy, uh, Flames win last night, down 2 nothing to the Golden Knights, and then absolutely take over. The one thing that's really caught my eye here watching this team this season so closely is the amount of depth they have up front. And in a salary cap era, it's really hard to roll four lines and be super confident about it. But they have that here in Calgary, and I think that's why they're so damn hard to play against. It's taken a while. Like, you know, when Sutter came in there, he obviously had a, a blueprint from his days in L.A. of what he what he wanted to do. And and a lot of that blueprint was in place last year. You know, a goaltender is really going to carry the mail for you. Um, a D group that has some highly offensive guys, but guys who are going to be able to look after things where they're limiting the minutes. And, you know, for example, last year, the good Branson Zadorov pairing played a lot of minutes, more minutes than most third pairings do, but it also took some of the heat off the top four. So that's in place now, especially with the addition of Uyghur, you can slot guys uh, appropriately. And then I look at a guy like Brett Ritchie, who, you know, on a lot of teams probably doesn't have the kind of value that he has in uh, Calgary, but learning from a guy like Trevor Lewis that you can go a long way and make a lot of money in your career 
by being a third, fourth line guy who's tough to play against, who brings some physicality. And oh, by the way, when you get an opportunity score, like he did a few nights back. So when you have all of those elements in place and a coach who's won, and then you add a guy like Kadri, who most importantly, and remembering Daryl Sutter's comments about the absence of, of Goudreau and Kachuk, when being compared to, to Foley was basically, well, one guy's won two cups. And so now you have that element of winning with the addition of Kadri, who also plays in the vein of, of what Sutter likes, a, a hard-nosed guy who goes to the net, who has undercover skill, even still at, at this stage in his career, who's a really good player. So I'll be honest with you, and you'll like this, George. Down 2 nothing, I ended up betting the Flames and, oh, and won a few bucks yes. on it. Yeah. yeah, live bet. Wow. What were yeah. they at, Sammy? Yeah. Uh, it was about – it was like one – I think it was 143. Plus 143? That was like, yeah, plus 143. And then I also, at, at minus 118, took him with a, with a one-and-a-half goal uh, oh. edge as well. So oh. That was close. Double, double in-game bet victories for Love this it. guy. Ooh, I, I, and, I like and that. Just, just real quick, and Sammy, like for, for people who like to put a wager on it, you, you yep. did that based on what you've been watching in the game, right? How Calgary took over, and you're like, okay. 100%. Yeah. And that, limiting that, shots. Yeah. Uh, Vegas didn't have much. And, and while it's been a pretty decent start for their goaltending, and not that goaltending was an issue, um, it, it still kind of hovers around in the background. Markstrom lets in one bad goal early, and I'm like, all right, he's going to shut the door here, right? So there's a lot of different things that – and it's funny because David, Amber, and I, Carolyn, Cameron, those who I work with, we sit there, and I remember a game last year, Flames down 4-1, and Amber and I bet them. They ended up winning 5-4 in overtime. We were losing our minds. We got like plus, <laughs> plus 300 or whatever. We're dancing yes! around, and there's a, there's a camera that goes back into the production room. We're like, what are these two idiots doing in here? <laughs> you know? So, you guys are so high-fiving exactly. and pumping your fist. You're like, wow. Oh, I didn't yeah. know you guys were that excited about guys, that we're game. about to come back for break. I need you to stop. <laughs> and, and while you're on that, like, in-game betting is actually pretty effective. And Amber put me onto it because – you, a, you have a sense for the game once it gets going. B, if there's injuries or some sort of chicanery, upper body, lower body, whatever else, that stuff's already been decided because the lineups are, are now made and are actually playing. It's not and in the algorithm. You're right. It's not in the algorithm. It's just right. who's leading with how much time's left. Yeah. And so, hey, they're out shooting them two to one. They're getting chances like Dubé with a great chance early. Uh, who else? There was another, another really good chance that – you know, Foley. Just, it might have been Lindholm, I think. Foley had a couple, yeah. So now you're thinking, okay, they're continuing to get good chances. They're shooting them two to one. Markstrom's not going to let another win. Calgary's a better team, and they're at home. So for me, that all that all you know put it into my own algorithm, and uh, thankfully I won a few bucks. Nice. As someone who's uh, covered a lot of the younger players in this league for a while, you probably knew quite a bit about Andrew Mangiapane or Dylan Dubé going into their draft year, and. and Seeing their trajectory with the Flames and the big steps that they've taken going into this season, I, I guess are you surprised that both of them have found a hole alongside Nazem Kadri? They're they're different guys. So Manjapani has been the same guy he was since he played for Dale Howard, Chuck and Bear. He just gets after it and he gets after it all the time, and he has enough skill that he's going to be able to produce points given him put in 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 proper positions to do so, but he'll go to the net. He'll go to the corners. He's that same tenacious. You like that, right? Nice. nice. Same tenacious guy there it is. that he was in Barry. Dubé's a little bit of a, a different story. 
he was more kind of in Kelowna, like the cool cat. I know I'm going to produce points. I'll be a rat once in a while when I have to, but not really. I don't, I'm not going to drive anyone nuts because I'm, I'm good enough to be able to play at a point per game or close to a point per game pace at the junior level. And I think it's taken him a little while to realize that, hey, being a rat is a good thing. Using your speed is a good thing. Going to the net and driving people nuts all the time, yet still keeping that skill in your back pocket so that you too can play with good players and play in the top six. It was an adjustment. So he comes out of Kelowna as a top-line guy who produces at a, at a great level. Now you kind of got to go back to the, to the bottom of the rung and you have to reestablish your game as a bottom six guy to earn the trust to get back into the top six. So skill was never a question with him. It was just a matter a matter of whether he was going to be able to do things away from the puck um, and, and play a defensive style of game to allow him the opportunities to, to, to produce better offensively. So he's finally figured that out now. And he's, you know, he's become a really impactful guy and a really super important guy because he can swing. You know, if you need him to play with Kadri and play in that top six, no problem, but he can mm-hmm. swing down as well. Maybe give you a little bit of that tenacity on, 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 uh, on the PK, but also can play, in a pesky, you know, bottom six role or, or, a, or a third line role if you need him to. So he's an important guy, uh, you know, and I think Daryl Sutter went a long way into pointing that out throughout the course of, uh, of training camp. Sam Cosentino is a Sportsnet analyst, draft expert, joining us here on the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. I don't want to say um, Naz is maybe a, uh, a late bloomer, but a guy taken so high in the draft by the Maple Leafs, uh, all of a sudden, oh, maybe this guy's going to be a great checking line center. And then we see flashes of his offensive game. And now that's really woken up in his game here uh, with, with Avalanche and obviously with the Flames now. Um, is is he a late bloomer? Is he another shining example of give these guys some time and then they'll live up to their draft position? For me, it's a maturity thing. It's strictly a maturity thing. When you watch Nas play in junior, he started in Kitchener and went to London. His skill was off the charts. And again, he could kind of go about his way in a real lackadaisical manner and be able to produce points because he was that much more skilled than most of the rest of the league. And he played on teams that had really good skill to surround him. So it was, uh, it's probably a little bit of a stretch to say it was easy for him. But it was easy for him. And so you come into the National Hockey League, and again, you're trying to find your space, and you're trying to be like, well, dude, I was a point per game last year. Why can't I be here? And things are more difficult. So again, sort of along those lines of Dubé, you had to continue to have that rat in your game. You had to continue to utilize your skill. But for him, it was more about maturity. And we saw him run around with the Toronto Maple Leafs, playoffs, couple of suspensions, going over the line. Because he was maybe not impacting the game production wise, he felt that he had to impact the game in other ways and he crossed the line and it cost him. And he started to get a reputation as a bit of a meathead in the playoffs. But now he's so much more mature. He can do a bit of both. He knows where that line is occasionally crosses it because most players that play near the line have to do that at times. But now you're really starting to see that skill that was sort of hidden Never reached point-per-game levels in the NHL. It did last year in Colorado. Now he has the confidence to be that guy, that skilled guy that he was in junior, be a rat, play near the line. Really kind of a a complete game, um, what you're seeing from Kadri now. And that has to do more with maturity than, in in my opinion, than anything else. Yesterday, Tyler Toffoli scores a big goal on the power play. He had a few great looks as well, like we've mentioned already. 
Um, but there have been some questions as to if he is going to be the guy on that right side of the top line. And for me, one of the things that I'm willing to give him some time with is that I, I would argue that this might be the most talented group of players he's played with at the NHL level. Give him a little bit of time to kind of settle in and see how it works out. But what makes you think that Tyler Toffoli will be able to hold on that top line for the whole season? You know, not knowing what I know, if I were just watching and I was a fan of hockey, I'd know that Huberto is one of the best playmakers in the game. You know, led the league in assists last year. And I know that Toffoli is a goal scorer. His points are always going to lean goal heavy as opposed to assist. So as a practical fan of just watching and knowing a bit about hockey, I'd say, all right, let's put a passing guy with a shooting guy and it should work. And no doubt it's it's going to work. Where, where Ty you know, may struggle a little bit is the pace of the game these days. He's not going to be able to pace it and play at Lindholm and Huberto's speed, but he's smart enough to know where to go to allow those guys, A, to help out a little bit defensively when maybe Toffoli can't get back as quick as those two, those two guys. But also, his goal-scoring touch and his acumen around the net to find soft ice and get chances like we've seen already early in the season, that's very clearly evident in this game. What he's probably not used to is his finishing rate where it, where it used to be and, and where it's going. And I'm not saying that he's just obviously because of age, there's going to be a slight decline there, but his finishing rate at the start of this year with all the chances that I've seen him have in a couple of games, isn't what normal expectations are. So as a result of that, you sit there as a fan, you say, oh, is he going to be able to handle the top line? Well, he's getting chances and he's going to be made so much better once he and Huberto find that connection. Lindholm, you can put him with anyone. He can go play with Gretzky, Lemieux. He can go play with George LaRock. It doesn't matter. He's mm-hmm. going to give you the same effort. He's that smart of a player. He's that good. He's going to win draws. He's going to go to the right areas in the ice. He's going to be sound defensively. So he's also a really good complement to what those other two bring to the table. What most excites me about that line, though, is the ability for Huberto to make plays and the ability for Toffoli to find goal-scoring ice. It will happen. The chances have been created already. The finishing rate will improve for Toffoli, and then there will be no more questions about whether or not he should hang on that top line. So we've talked about the forward group being pretty deep. We haven't touched on the blue line a ton, but they've looked good as well. Both goaltenders have looked solid. Maybe a couple of stinkers for Markstrom, but he's gotten the results that they needed. Um, To you, do you see uh, a hole, a weakness, uh, an, an area where this team could improve although it's only three games into the season. I, I Honestly, I don't. Like, I picked them to win the Cup last year, and, you know, once bitten, twice shy, I didn't. I, I, unfortunately, and fans don't want to hear this, but I went up the road, and that's a little bit of a circus going on up there right now. <laughs> um, because, I, I, I don't know, I just felt like McDavid was going to be McKinnon of this year, you know? Like, he's had enough time, he's had enough adversity and all that, he's just going to take the team on his shoulders and go, that's, that's another story. So, you know, getting, getting back to Calgary and looking at where, where their team is, I think if you're Brad Tree Living, you might want to address a little bit more uh, insurance, if you will, on either one of your forward or D sides. But I, I don't know, like, you're going to run into some injuries at some point. You know, you got Shillington kind of in the background on the D. From a forward perspective, is it Rizitska, who's the guy who can, who can fill in admirably for you like he did at times last year? There is still a little bit of an insurance policy there. But I'd say, you know, if I'm looking at Daryl Sutter and I'm looking at his teams that won the Cups in, in 12 and 14 with L.A., maybe a little bit more like a, I don't know if it's that Kyle Clifford type of player, if it's that 
kind of guy who can go out there who's not going to hurt you, but people are going to know that he's out there. Just that maybe a little bit more kind of luch type of presence, I guess. I, I, I think Daryl Sutter teams can't have enough of that. Um, does that player exist? What cost does he come at? Mm-hmm. Or if you stay healthy, do you even need to address that? So right now I look at a team that's, I don't know, man, I, I like their back end. Like the goaltending, and you know, if you can ease the workload of, of, of uh, Markstrom just a little bit, which is what the plan is, you know that should bode well when you get into the playoffs. Um, I don't know. I don't see too many deficiencies in that group, but I did say the same thing last year, and of course we know what happened. Mm. Uh, Sammy, um, I've been talking about it on the show. Is there more of a team who's an NHL purgatory than the Vancouver Canucks? Not good Ooh. enough to win the Stanley Cup, certainly not bad enough to bottom out and be in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. What the hell is going on in Vancouver? Uh, it's a great question. And the way I see it, and this is personal opinion, this is no insider stuff, but when Bruce Boudreaux came in, I mean, things they couldn't have been worse at that time. So everyone started to play loose and free. There was no expectations of making the playoffs. They obviously had a good run. They sniffed it towards the end but didn't quite get there. So when you bring in a new management team, you got Jim Rutherford there. He hires Patrick Alvine you also have to be wary of an owner who likes to be involved. And so he's looking at the fan base and the fan base is like, wow, this is awesome. We'll bring Boudreaux back next year. We'll bring back a lot of the same guys and we should be ready to rock and roll. We should be able to hit the ground running next year because everyone has the expectations of the coach. The players are pretty much going to be the same. So, so let's go. Um, And obviously that hasn't happened. So I'm not so sure. And I think based on the fact that he did not get extended that this management group, was sold on Bruce Boudreaux for whatever reason that might be. Mm -hmm. Um, Had they been, they would have extended him, you know, for the job that he did through when he was hired replacing Travis Green last year. When that didn't happen, that sent a lot of signals to me that they're not entirely sold. And so, you know, you look at blowing four multi-goal leads to start a season, that's never happened at any point for any team ever in the National Hockey League for the 105 years or whatever it's been around. That's that's troublesome when you're doing things of futility that have never been done before. So there's something brewing there, but again, there really shouldn't be. You got a star in Quinn Hughes in the back. You got a star in Patterson up front. You got one of the best young goalies in the league in Thatcher Demko. And then you have your pieces that build around. Orvat, JT Miller. You got Pod Coles is starting to come into his own. You got some guys in the back, you know, Myers being out hurts them. Shen a little long in the tooth, but still effective if his minutes are, are appropriated properly. So, there should be enough there for this team to at least be in the conversation. Um, but when you get off to start like this, that there's a lot of smoke signals going on there right now. And the Edmonton Oilers, I guess just uh, we'll finally close out with Western Canada 1-2 and two after they uh, have a, a loss to the Buffalo Sabres. Eric Comrie outstanding up the road last night as well. But for me, um, the one thing that they've keyed on this year early on is the starts and I feel like it's been a bit an issue for the Oilers more often than not. A lot of guys just kind of waiting for Connor McDavid to do something, and then they'll kind of figure out the rest along the way. Do you do you feel the same way when you watch the Oilers? Sometimes you get into those games, and I saw it with the Toronto Maple Leafs and Arizona Coyotes here the other night. It's a game that you go into, and human nature tells you that this should not be a difficult night, right? And no one, no one on any team coaching staff will ever, ever admit that to you. But you guys, if you've played any sports at all, you walk into a game and you're like, yeah, dude, this is going to be easy. We're going to win this thing. It's no problem. And then you forget that there's actually a good group of 20 NHL players on the other side. 
And at any given point, someone can have that superstar performance, whether it's a Comrie, a Tage Thompson, whoever it is, for Buffalo. So you got to show up and you got to battle and you got to work just as hard against the Buffalo Sabres as you do against the New York Rangers, the you know, the Golden Knights, whatever the case might be. And so I saw that quite a bit last year, especially in the early part of the season, where the Oilers were not assertive at all. And then, you know, they were giving up tons of chances. And even when they weren't, goals were getting in past the two goalies between Smith and Kosk, and it just turned into a disaster. Then Woodcroft comes in and, and same sort of thing. It, it gets sorted out, and they're off and running, and now they make a run in the playoffs. The way I look at it, though, is, listen, they've done their best to address the defense. They've done their best to address the goalkeeping. They've changed their coaches. Like, how much more do you want, guys? That same core group of guys, whether it's McDavid and Dreisaitl and Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Nurse, that same core guys have seen a number of changes all in the improvement side. It's now up to that group to figure it out. It's now up to that group to figure it out. You know, you didn't like playing for Tippett or he was too hard or old school or whatever else. You've got a new age guy. You've got a younger guy. You've got a communicative guy. Like at some point it has, it has to go here. And same as Vancouver. I think this is a much more talented team than Vancouver. So we shouldn't even be having these conversations early in the season about the Edmonton Oilers, but I do believe that they will be there at the end. Sam Cosentino, Sportsnet analyst and draft expert. Sammy, thanks for doing this and keep hitting winners. Okay. Yeah. In game going in game. That's tonight. it. Smart stuff. All right. Thanks, Sammy. Great stuff. He's right. Mike, that's that's a good That's how I like to bet my hockey. For your bet. Like you see how the flow of the game's going. And even last night when the Flames were down to nothing, they started to take over that game. Sammy jumped on it, dove on it like a fumble. Boom. One of my favorite things. Uh, a team that you know has just a god awful power play gets a power play, and all of a sudden the team to score next bet flies up for the other squad. Look at you. Oh yeah. You pick the team that has just gone shorthanded to pick to score next. It's very good. There you go. The more you know, where's your now? Granted, you know, the yeah. team has to kill the penalty first. That's usually yeah. the problem. But eventually, yeah, sometimes they win. Uh, straight ahead, Mike Shope, uh, host of Shope and the Bulldog on WGR five fifty in Buffalo. Tee up the Saber side of things. Maybe mix in a little Buffalo Bills talk. Uh, your your chance to weigh in on the nickname of the Dubay. Kadri, Majapani line, Kadmandu, DNA line, MDK line, Tenacious 3. Uh, we'll give you the final results coming up on the show as well. But first, hey, Maddie, did you know that October is Small Business Month? And Rogers Business is proud to demonstrate their commitment to Canadian small business owners across the country. Mm. Throughout October, uh-huh. our friends at Rogers Business are shining a spotlight on small businesses like local barbers, bakeries, auto shops, retailers, and more. Check out the Small Business Spotlight stories at Rogers Business blog. You'll learn about businesses like Fratelli's Hair Salon from Thornhill, Ontario, who deeply care about oh. the customers and their neighborhood. You can join the celebration by shopping local and recognizing the important contributions entrepreneurs make to our city. Despite challenges and risks, these businesses persevere and are the fabric for our local economies mm. from coast to coast across Canada yes. and deserve to be celebrated. Rogers Business is providing small businesses in Canada the tools that they need to grow and succeed. Celebrate Small Business Month, not just through October, Maddie, but all year long. Visit the Small Business Spotlight Stories at the Rogers Business blog. Find them at rogers.com slash spotlight. Mike Shope on the Sabres and the Bills and the final poll results on the Dubé-Cadre 
Majapani line, a.k.a. Dubay Cardi Majapani line. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. You're listening to the big show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Later on this hour, we'll, we'll tell you what you picked as a nickname for the Dubay Kadri Manjapani line. Go vote right now at George Russick, at Matt Rose YYC, at Sportsnet 960. Tenacious three. Yeah, uh, it's Cadmandu, DNA line, MDK line, the Tenacious three. Go vote right now. Do it. Do it right now. We'll tell you who wins. Time uh, is of the essence. After we talk to uh, Mike Shope, uh, host of the Shope and the Bulldog show on WGR 550 in Buffalo. Mike, good morning. How are you? Good. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks for jumping on. Mike, that Labushkin hit last night. My Ooh. Lord. Like, what an incredible hit last <laughs> night. Isn't that the epitome of what the Buffalo Sabres are now? They used to be a pushover. Teams used to lick their lips. Here comes two points. Not anymore. The Buffalo Sabres are actually hard to play against. I mean, I guess if you can get goaltending like that, uh, that's right. <laughs> I mean, I, their, their future is going to hinge on their skill. And that's most teams, if not all anymore. So you've got Rasmus Dahlin, first overall pick, off to a great start. Owen Power, first overall pick, 19 years old. I mean, off to a slower start. But I think, you know, Labushkin is a nice compliment. And what they have back there is very young and promising. Now, man, I, I love how you there's so many young prospects on this team that are kind of knocking on the door. A lot of ELCs right now. Dylan Cousins, Peyton Krebs, Jack Quinn, John Jason Paterka, just to name a few. What is the expected role for these players over the course of the season? Are these going to be top six guys, like hanging out with Tage Thompson, scoring beautiful goals, or are these going to be more depth pieces for the majority of the season? I think they almost have to be in higher-profile roles, and I don't think the Sabres mind that because it's really Eichel isn't an old guy anymore, or, or, or an old guy himself. But like I think of it as that he's gone. You know, Reinhardt and the guys who were up top in Buffalo recently. So there's really every reason to think young guys as young as Paterka, who's off to a great start himself, um, very good goal last night, mm. can can prosper there, and that's where any team would want them. You know, they're skill, skilled players. So they'll get a chance here to you know, learn by fire, if you will, against the top players in the league. That's, that's what happened last night, and that's, that's coming again tomorrow. Um, Mike, we had uh, Gary Lawless on yesterday, covers the Golden Knights, and we asked him about Jack Eichel and how things are going in Vegas right now. How messy uh, was the divorce between Jack Eichel and the Buffalo Sabres at the end? Very. You know, there was the continuing story of his neck injury and his wanting to have one surgery and the team another. But I believe he had wanted out before any of that. And the, the injury was some version of cover for how he was feeling and how things were going. I don't, by the way, really begrudge him that. He's an elite player and the team was spinning its wheels to be nice. Uh, lots of cuts in the organization and really almost no hope. So he had the right to use his leverage and he did. And he got out and he went to a team that is a cup contender. Did you see him on the winning goal last night, by the way? Of course you did. Yeah. I mean, he's sure yeah. Um, yeah. Elite player, but yet to make the playoffs and 
who knows what all the reasons might be. Sometimes that's just bad luck, and sometimes it's more. Uh, Mike, he was absolutely uh, invisible last night uh, in that game against the Flames. Um, Got to ask you, how much has Don Granato changed the culture of the Buffalo Sabres behind the bench? Granato was a 180-degree change from Ralph Kruger. Granato, he said a bunch of things that were music to my ears that coaches rarely talk like, talking about offense and scoring and fun, you know, and coaches are often loath to do that. It's just don't make mistakes. So, I mean, not every player necessarily sort of fell in line with that, but he seems to have a great touch with players. Eventually, the stakes will get raised and we'll see if they can, they can win because they don't really won yet. Of course, over under this year is under 80 points, but he has a nice way about him. He's interesting to listen to. And I think the players like him. A couple of big money extensions signed to some young players in the off season by the Sabres. Tage Thompson, one of them, Matias Samuelson, the other um, early returns on Thompson look to be great. Scores that beautiful goal yesterday. He's a six foot six center. Like a lot of coaches would love to have this guy around. Has he shown more than just the beautiful goal through a few games early on here? Shocking with Thompson. He had a good prospect, not the most elite prospect. He went from, you know, marginal to a great goal scorer, and the shooting percentage is the first thing you see. I think you want to be scattered. Thompson fits what they're doing. He's young and good. And so I think what he did in both analytics-driven organization here, finally, and they're willing to plant their flag on guys. And Samuelson, I think, probably didn't make sense around the league because he hasn't done anything yet. I don't think he's even scored a goal yet. (laughs) And they gave him a seven-year, $30 million contract. But I think they, they... trust what they see and how they make decisions and that these contracts different ways sort of prove that. I wanted to ask about Samuelson just a little bit more because like you mentioned, this is a guy who's played less than a hundred NHL games has not scored a goal in the NHL, but he gets a seven year deal. The AAV comes in just under $4.3 million. And I think just for a lot of our listeners here, how is he going to compliment players like Rasmus Dahlin and Owen Power? as Samuelson's just 22 years of age himself. Yeah, the age is, is, is exciting. I mean, they're so young back there. The, the simple answer, I think, is he plays a style that will afford Darlene and maybe eventually Owen Power to freelance, to, to play their best game. Darlene has scored in all three games, and he has been sharp. Like, he, defensemen take time. Everybody knows some of that, but... It didn't always look like he was going to make it as, well, he's always going to have to carry around one overall, but as a really great player. And this year, I think he's the most exciting thing about them. And, and Samuelson, I think probably, you know, the, the coaches would say, gives him more freedom, which is, I think, what they want. They, they're going to need, to, for Darlene to be worth it, they're going to need him to be able to play that kind of game. And Samuelson makes that easier, if not even makes that possible for Darlene. Uh, Mike, what's the sense with the fan base right now? Because uh, I know I watched the opener uh, against the Senators. wasn't a full barn. A lot of empty seats in Buffalo. And you can't really fault the fans. The team's been bad for so many years and missed so many playoff runs. Eventually, you just stop going to a lot of the games. But what's the sense in the fan base? Do you think the fans eventually start coming back when this team starts winning games? Is it as simple as that? Or this runs deeper with how ownership has treated this franchise the last decade or so? 
Yeah, that's a good question. I would definitely say my prediction would be that the fans come back. And, you know, it's a, it's a small market. I'm kind of impressed with what they've drawn already, actually, myself, given how low it's been and how it's felt. But I mean, the Sabres were in bankruptcy and almost to the point of being moved about 15 years ago. And then a year or two later, they had the best, arguably the best crowd scene in the NHL. So it's definitely a hockey market. You know, George, you know, you guys both know proximity to Canada. Yep. Canadian fans are why the Sabres even exist. So I think, you know, I'd be optimistic about that. It was a super low point and COVID, you know, and just, it just got bad. But I think right now the fans are in a pretty good mood about the Sabres, that expectations aren't high, but there's a lot to like about what it, you know, looks like going forward. Mike Shope, host of Shope and the Bulldog on WGR 550 in Buffalo, joining us here on the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Uh, The Bills obviously have been the talk of the NFL since the start of the season, Super Bowl favorites, but they're on a bye week this week. From a personal uh, media side of things as a talk show host, Mike, uh, how much do you dread the bye week when now you have to talk about the Chiefs game for the next, like, 10 days? (laughs) Not at all. I love talking about the whole league, and... These days, you know, you want to compare, you want to watch the other good teams and compare the Bills to them as opposed to the many drought years where it was just sort of more depressing to watch the best teams in the league. Now, now myself and I think many want to see, like, all right, can this team beat Buffalo? Who's, who's good enough to do that? And it's a short list. So the bye week, I think, for the team, for me in a way, is, uh, is welcomed because it's it, they've been great, but it's been very grueling, these games. You know, close, mm. tense games, mostly. And so um, I could use a break. <laughs> How's Bill's Mafia doing? They're handling this start to the season quite well? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, uh, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> the, the fan base is pretty pumped up. Hockey, um, which is fine. That's why, why not have fun with it? Yeah, They're the Super Bowl favorite. They've been about the best team in the league for all, like going back to 2020. And so it's time to win. And that's, that's the thing. I mean, these are great games to watch and it's a lot of fun, but it ultimately will just obviously pale in comparison to what happens in the playoffs. So I say, you know, fly your flag. Um, Mike, uh, I'm from that area. I know what a Super Bowl would mean to the, to the city of Buffalo and the surrounding communities, but for people in Calgary, what they've they've never won anything. What what would a Super Bowl mean to the city of Buffalo? Like what how what what would that experience even remotely be like? Can you even describe what that feeling would be? Probably not. Um, I would I would I would try to objectively guess that it would mean more to this community, these fans, than any title would mean to any any place else the combination of the passion for the team, the love affair it has with it, especially now with Allen and the, the group of guys they have, Diggs and Von Miller, and the history. I mean, the history is, well, what are the Bills famous for? They're famous for losing Super Bowls. And when they're not famous for losing Super Bowls, they're, they're, they're kind of irrelevant. I mean, most of the last 20 years. So, you know, when you win even once in a while, I don't think it's the same as when you win for the first time. I think that's just human nature. So I can't, I can't imagine North American sports. I can't imagine a team whose fans would want and feel like they need a team to win a championship more than this one. 
If you could pick one player, if you were just to draw up a guy, and this is going to be a quarterback of a team uh, who fits the fan base and what the fan base wants, <laughs> is there a better fit than Josh Allen as quarterback of the Bills? Because I don't think there is, Mike. No, it'd be hard for me to imagine one. And it's, the, it's you know, you could talk all day about it, but in short, it's the combination of sort of the the miracle that he is as a player and that it's happening here <laughs> where, you know, I think it was reasonable to be pretty fatalistic or pessimistic about the bills ever. How do you get to that, that quarterback? But you know, the draft is the only answer for a team like this usually. And it happened and it happened to be a player that most people doubted. And that's, <laughs> that's being nice. Uh, I'm one of them. So it's just, you know, it puts a smile on my face. I'll have to hear about it for the rest of my career. But it puts a smile on my face to think about that. I love the randomness of sports and how these sort of things are not predictable. Every year with the draft, you know, more in football than in hockey, where you just you think you know something and then you're, you're proven wrong. I love that about sports. And Allen is maybe the perfect example of that happening on a team that, you know, of course, really needed him. My one question for you, Mike, about uh, the Bills and their defense is just what's maybe impressed you the most is a team that's dealt with some injuries to start the season and has been pretty dominant across the board. Yeah, it would be that. I mean, Micah Hyde's an important guy, done for the year. Poyer's been in and out, and Trey White hasn't played it down yet. I mean, those are three Pro Bowl, All-Pro type players, and you know, two of them haven't really been here at all. And they've been fine. And so that's the pass rush at work. And that's impressed me. I mean, Von Miller is a, is a legend. But, you know, he's later in his career. And what are you really going to get? And they've gotten, you know, huge performances. I mean, he, he almost won them that game in Kansas City with the plays he made late, leading to that late, late interception. So it's, that, it's not a surprise that he's doing well. But, you know, he's backed it up. And to get through those five, six games with the injuries they've had is really good. Uh, Mike, this is crazy to say heading into the season, but are the Jets the second best team in the AFC East? I think New England is. Um, my co-host and I have a thing over the last two or three years where he writes them off, and then I say, you know, that's you got to be careful to do that. And he's been right. <laughs> he, he was right two years ago, and I was more right last year. And this year it's kind of been both. But – I, I want to see what happens at quarterback there. I mean, they're, they're running the ball great. They, they picked a kid in the first round who everybody laughed at, and he's been great. Cole Strange. I mean, you just don't want to doubt New England. You do, do that at your own peril. I think they're probably the second-best team. The Jets are a good story, but I, I can't believe that when the Jets play a team like the Bills that their quarterback can come close to doing enough to help them win. Uh can, just real quick before I let you go, can you explain how the Dolphins' sideline was 30 degrees cooler than the Vikings' sideline? How is that even humanly possible, Mike? I don't know. Uh, what are they doing the over science, there? That, that, yeah. that, the stadium, it's the stadium with the roof. You know, the, the home team plays in the shade. And the Bills went there in week two or week three and lost. And the heat was a, you know, a story in that game throughout. Guys are cramping and you're just not used to it. So, um, yeah, that's a home field advantage for sure. Maybe even more so than like when games are played here in 10 degrees or whatever. Uh, Mike Shope, uh, he's the host of Shope and the Bulldog on WGR 550 in Buffalo. Mike, great stuff. Let's catch up again soon. 
Yes, I, w- I hope so. Thanks again for having me on. There he goes. Uh, Mike Show, great stuff. Um, yeah, I, I think he's bang on. There is no fan base in North America that would that needs a championship more than the city of Buffalo. Like, I, I, I'm sure people in Calgary, you know, the Stampeders won Grey Cups, the Flames won their one cup in 89, and mm-hmm. people like you who, you don't, yeah, you've never experienced a championship in your life, like a real major Big Four championship. Yeah, the Raptors was nice, but that's not the same as your hometown team winning. I couldn't go to the parade. Yeah, much like much like the Flames are stitched into the fabric of this city, it's it's the Bills. Yeah, like, that's that's what. Yeah, Sabers are great, and everyone loves the Sabers there, and everybody got super excited, and people are still bitter over that stupid crease rule and the no goal against the Stars in the Stanley Cup. They should bring that back. It was such a great yeah, rule. Great rule. Everyone loved no it. No goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No goal. Keep it. Yeah. But I couldn't imagine what a Super Bowl would be like in Buffalo. Like I it would be it would be insane. Like I my friends and I have talked. I don't know if I'm going home for the Super Bowl. Um but if I if I am, if they win, it's about a 40 minute drive from Niagara to Buffalo. I'm getting in my car. Yeah. And I'm driving to Buffalo, and mm-hmm. Chippewa Street is the main strip of bars in Buffalo. Chippewa Street? Yeah, and it's open till 4 a.m. You can drink there. I feel like if they win, there's no closing. No, that's what I mean. Like, that would be a week-long bender. Yeah. Like, you just kind of look at it on the map. It's just like a dark zone. No, but, You're like, but, yeah, we don't really talk about what's happening there in Buffalo right now. Like, but, they're having a good time. But, but think about this. They love the Bills in Buffalo so much. When the Bills played that Monday night game earlier this season, school was half day. They let kids out of school early because to go watch the game or whoever needs to get prepared for the Monday night game. Could you imagine that in the city of Calgary, the Flames are playing a playoff game at 4 o'clock and no, we got to let you home from school so you get home and you're ready to watch the game so you don't miss any of the game. Could you imagine that happens here in this city? I could see some instances. I could certainly... Really? I, if it was like a Stanley Cup final playoff game, yes. If it is a Tuesday afternoon and you're playing the Washington Capitals, no. But if it was a big game in the postseason, I think for sure you would get people who are getting let out of school. Like, this is a team that hasn't seen the Western Conference final in how long? We don't know what that's like. That's... It, it it's a parallel for sure because it's such a one. It's not a Monday night football yeah. game. Again, like with that, all due respect, a regular season game. Right. Like it, with all due respect to the Stamps, it's it's the Flames here. Like that's oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And you also have the Sabers in Buffalo, but it, it's the Bills. That's the Bills town first and foremost. But yeah, they it would be insane if if the Buffalo Bills won the Super Bowl. And I, I'm rooting for the city of Buffalo because you know outside of the burnt out factories downtown, like there isn't. <laughs> Chicken wings. Not a lot great. to do down no, there. No, Buffalo Apart gets a bad rap. The, the Walden Gallery is beautiful. It's a great cheesecake factory in the Walden Gallery. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, Buffalo's, I, again, going to games is great. Uh, going on StubHub and spending $25 Canadian to sit six rows up from the ice <laughs> is the best when they're playing the Panthers on a yeah. Tuesday night in Buffalo in February. But a Super Bowl championship there would be insane. And I think a lot of people around North America would be happy for the city of Buffalo. Sure. Yeah, I think that the, uh, you know I'm. I know a lot of people in this town. You walk around, you'll you'll meet your fair share of Buffalo fans. Like that's that town's close to the border. You got a lot of spillover into Canada, and then they come over west. And yeah, there's a lot of Bills fans around there. Like if I had to say some of the fan bases that had the more prominent NFL fan bases, 
especially here in town and, you know, in a vacuum, knowing who I know, this is what I know. Bills are up there as far as teams that get supported. They're up there. The Patriots are up there. Are the Broncos up there, too. The Broncos are up there. Um, the, cow- the Cowboys always have a ton of fans. The Cowboys have fans, the Steelers but it's kind have of different. The, Mar- uh, the Mariners, the Seahawks have quite a few yep. fans up here. Yeah, but the Bills certainly fit the bill. Um, uh, our listeners have definitely fit the bill today. Uh, we asked you to kick off the show. I don't even know how many texts we got. It's too many to count. But we asked you, uh, which nickname fits the best for the Dubé, Kadri, and Majapani line? I put the poll question out. The results are in. Almost 300 votes in a poll that was up for like 20 or some minutes. Wow. Do we have a drum roll here, Alex? Do we have Do we have something? Am I throwing you yep, off? Throw my machine on. Here we go. Like, am I? Are you ready for a drum roll? All right. I think we're ready for a drum roll. The new nickname of the... <laughs> This sounds like an 1812 drum roll, too. No, I, I, let's do you it again. missed it. The new nickname. Hit it now. The new nickname for the Dubé, Kadri, Manjapani line is the, tena- the DNA line. That's no! it. No, 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 no. I agree. The DNA line. Congratulations to Jose in Calgary. He is the winner of the Flames and Sabres tickets tomorrow night. Down at the dome, the DNA line. But Maddie, think of all the innuendo you can use now. I don't want to. That makes me uncomfortable. There's, <laughs> there's too much innuendo. Can I, I don't know if I should tell you this. That what? something. What? See now I have to. So <gasps> when I did, uh, when I did, when I did sports updates, yeah, for six eighty news in Toronto, uh-huh. the most listened to radio station in the country. There's kids in their cars right now, by the way. Um, whenever Zach Hyman would score for the Maple Leafs. Okay. No. <laughs> There'd be some innuendo. Yeah. And sometimes listeners would get it, and sometimes they wouldn't. It'd just go right over the yeah, and some Yeah, sure. So I really like to. And you can use that yeah, if you like. That's great. I don't want to. It makes you comfortable. Okay, but I'm just saying, like, I, <laughs> I appreciate that. was that. my jam. Thanks for sharing that. I'm like, that please, Zach Hyman, score while I'm doing my update shift so I can even do it on the overnights. <laughs> yeah. That's a perfect place to put something like that. Yeah. Overnights. Because it's like... Uh, Not for kids. <laughs> How many kids would get it, though? Zero. That's what I mean. That's well, why I it's so know. beautiful. Kids are different these days, man. They're woke and stuff. They're smart, and they have the internet. And they got phones in their pockets. Yeah, so Terrifies always uh, one of my favorite lines was uh, oh, Zach Hyman. Yeah, for the Maple Leafs. I'm not even going to say it. I'm not going to say it, but uh, it was one of my one of my staples doing sports updates. But I'm sure what he scores at some point throughout the course of the season. Yep. So I just I can't wait till it slides into the morning report one day. Just slither in there like a snake. I'm done. Can I go home? Yeah, you can go home. (laughs) Great job today. Um, Great job to our listeners. Uh, Congratulations to Jose. He's going to see the Flames and Sabres tomorrow night down at the Dome. The DNA line, which will probably be broken up today at practice. Is there anything more obvious? No, yeah, I know. Like, yeah. Yeah. And people are like, oh, Luno, I, we know. So, But that's why we're just fingers crossed that at least for a couple games, the DNA line will be still intact. Keep that DNA together. The DNA line. There you go. Kadri, Manjapani, Dubey. That's it for us. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye.